This week on the Habs Forum, it is the mid-season episode. We're at the exact middle point of the season as far as games plays go, games played goes, and the Canadians have more or less the exact same record they had at the same point last year after 28 games. So I mean, is, is this team really better? They do. They just won against Winnipeg. That was that was a pretty 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 good game. Price is back on his game. Is it going to be enough? The team is very close to missing the playoffs. So we're going to talk about all that. Of course, there was a Bergevin press conference, uh, his midseason conference. He does that every year. So we're going to talk a bit about what he touched on uh, there. It's been 10 games since Ducham was uh, replaced to uh, became the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. So there's a lot to talk about with that, too. But first, Dustin, tell me who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum still brought to you by Manscaped.com. The new check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the Weed Whacker and the rest of the All Star lineup at Manscaped.com. Uh, really, some awesome products, you know, for shaving your balls and uh, and ball uh, just upkeep in general with uh, the the crop uh, cleanser and all that other stuff. I mean, they got some great stuff. Uh, so check them out at Manscaped.com and use promo code. Habs Forum for 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Exciting stuff, Mary. Oh, perfect, perfect. Let's get right into it. And actually, I forgot to mention, we also have, uh, I think, four Twitter questions. So that's very exciting for us. Four, tw- I think that's the most we've ever had in an episode. So we're, of course, going to cover <laughs> those so. four, uh, four Twitter questions later on. As always, at the Habs Forum on Twitter. All right, so let's get into it. Since the last episode, which was exactly a week ago on Tuesday, there's been four games. We're not going to do a full recap of all four of those games, but 5-1 a win against Vancouver. I mean, whatever. We've had Vancouver's number all year. Uh, I mean, even when they beat us, is in overtime. So great game, don't get me wrong. But then back-to-back really, really poor performances against Calgary. I mean, the first one wasn't as bad, but we talked about it in the podcast that that was a game that was looking like a for sure loss just because of the schedule. And like, I know people hate hearing excuses, but you could see at the end of the game, they all played them the first two periods, but you could see at the end of the game, they were dead tired. They had no more legs. And then they ended up like losing late in the game. And it it is what it is. The Calgary was coming off three days of rest and the Canadians had like a a way busier schedule on back to back. So they finished a game at like a 1am and then played the next day at set. It made no sense. I mean, it's it's fine, guys. That that's a fine loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this week it was it was like the perfect meta- metaphor, I think, for this whole season, where there's been the highest of highs and the lowest of yeah. lows. And I mean, you know, obviously it started off this week with you know a great win against Vancouver. You know, the the really like we said, I mean, the highest of highs basically. And then, uh, like you said, I mean that that game, the first game against Calgary. I mean, nobody was expecting much. I think we all knew what was going to happen in that game. You know, like you said, I mean, they they, they had not even 24 hours, uh, you know, between their games. Um, I mean, they, I mean, the first game that was such a weird start on top of it, it was eight o'clock yeah. uh, Pacific time, you know, 11 o'clock here. And then they were playing the next night. I think um, what it was, uh, was it seven? Uh, it was nine o'clock here. So like it was a 22 hour difference between puck drops. Yeah. And I mean, they had to travel on top of it. it. Like, it's just like you said, what, like what a stupid sort of schedule. I mean, the, the Habs cool. already like a couple, couple of weeks ago, they had, they had a whole week off. I think they even had an, like earlier on in the season, weren't they off for like at least five or six days? Yeah. They, they had two oh. early in the seasons, like long breaks. Like the, the schedule for the Canadians makes, and I don't understand 
Like, there, mu- there must be some sort of logic. I don't know what it is. But, like, there is nothing go- else going on in these arenas. Like, usually, we're like, every year the Canadians have a terrible schedule over the holidays. And it's always, there's always on the road. And it's always because there's, there's, the, there's these events at the Bell Center throughout the holidays. And they kind of get screwed because of that. Which sucks. And, like, you hate to see it. But at least there's logic behind it, the crappy schedule. There's nothing else going on in any arena. <laughs> like, why can't we have better schedules? Like, I don't get it. That's great. I, I, I know it's weird. Like, like I said, I mean, especially those two long layoffs when you when you're dealing with this compressed schedule, and then yeah. you have to have these these weird back-to-back games like this where they have to travel on top of it. I mean, I don't know. I, ha- I haven't looked really at the other teams' schedules, but uh, maybe they. I'm sure they probably have some weird schedules too. But I don't For know. Sure. It just doesn't For seem sure. to make much sense. Like, I don't think it's anything against the Canadians. I think everyone has had those bad things. But what happened to happen here is that we were facing a team which had the complete opposite situation where they were coming off three days rest which is kind of a perfect amount of rest it's not like a too much like like a week where you kind of need a game to get your 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 legs back and plus they had just went through a coaching change and okay sure like the canadians went through a recent coaching change too too and like don't get me wrong i love that it was new blood that was brought in and it was Deshaun, my young coach and all that but maybe you don't get that same kind of kick in the butt from a new coach that you do from a guy like like like, like Sutter that Calgary did. Like now, I wouldn't want the Canadians to have Daryl Sutter as a coach. I think it's ridiculous to bring him back. The same thing the Canadians did before. But similar to how like those types of coaches, a coach like Daryl Sutter that has a lot of experience, has from for all accounts a really hard nosed kind of intense coach. You're always gonna see a boost at first, and then eventually the players get sick of it and it kind of. You know, it fizzled out a little bit. but And the Canadians got on the wrong end of that. And, okay, on Saturday, of course, we were all expecting a better performance. And, I mean, it was a pretty unacceptable performance. But at the end of the day, they were still on the – even though there was a day in between, they were still on the third game in four nights. And Calgary still was way more rested. Like, I I, I know we hate to use these excuses, but it's, it's still very much relevant here. They're still on the road. It was a tough schedule. And people after the Saturday game were panicking. Twitter was going crazy, like this team was atrocious, and I didn't get it, honestly, because of course you want to win, but they were, overall, the team has definitely been playing better, the young kids are playing better, like Suzuki had his off days, he has a good game yesterday, I thought against Winnipeg, but Kukiemi has been great, and Price is back on his game, the wins are, I, I'm feeling much better about this team, even, even though there's been a few, it's kind of been 50-50 wins and losses, it literally has been the last four games, but from what I've seen on the ice, I'm feeling better than I, much better than I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. What? So, so you're telling me that Hab's Twitter was a little irrational after oh, a loss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't believe it. That almost never happens. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I, I have to admit, I, I wasn't too confident after the, after the loss on Saturday. I, th- I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. That yeah, okay, it was the third game in four nights, and yes, Calgary was was definitely more rest than the Canadians. They have again that boost, you know, of having that new head coach. But I, I re- like they didn't seem to have any urgency. Any, I mean, there was a severe lack of effort. I thought. Um, so I, I don't know. I was pretty disappointed by the performance, especially after you know such a great game against vancouver i mean it was like all right all is right in half the the first calgary game they they played well for two-thirds of that game they 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 played very well and then the 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 markstrom had a very good game kept kept calgary in the game and then you could tell you could tell it was they they lost their legs they completely now saturday game is a completely different story don't get me wrong 
But the one thing that worries me about Calgary is what seems to work about the Canadians now, against the Canadians now, is really that kind of shutdown trap. All the games the Canadians lose seem to be the most boring games. And now Daryl Sutter is going to come in, and he's going to he's 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 going to recognize that he's going to put him th- those types of things. Even Ottawa Canadians th- have a hard time against them because that's the strategy they do against them. And even the last game against Toronto, we saw a Toronto team that was playing a much more kind of conservative game against the Canadians. Now this is where I want to see Zusham kind of step it up because they're they're winning against teams like Winnipeg and Vancouver because those teams don't have the defense to play that style. It's just not those strategy. But then. They're losing against the, the those other teams that do have that strategy. So I want to see what he can do. I, I mean, we're playing against Winnipeg and Vancouver next three games. So we're not going to see it yet. But the next time this team comes up against a team that really uses that kind of trap, kind of boring style of hockey that we all hate, I really want to see the adjustments coming from Zusham because that's the one thing that kind of worries me about this team. It seems like some teams have figured out how to beat the Canadians. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I mean, we saw their their high flying offense in the first couple of weeks of the season. Looked like the Canadians were almost unbeatable. And then, I mean, like you said, that you know, the first couple of games, I think it was two games back to back, they played against Ottawa. And ever since then, it's sort of been, yeah, the, the a lot of teams, you know, have basically had their number aside from really Vancouver. Vancouver's the only team we yeah. seem to really beat every single time. But but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely going to have to make some adjustments and. And I mean, I don't know if I've really seen that so far. Like, you know, I'd, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I, I mean, I definitely don't think there's any reason to panic. Um, no. You know, it's they, they have, you know, so the next little stretch of games now is, is definitely games you, you would hope, hope they're going to win. You know, they have a couple more against Vancouver. I think they have four games straight against Ottawa um, in, a, in a two weeks or so. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, Right now, I mean, they're so close. They're in fourth place right now. They're right behind Edmonton, you know, with a couple of games in hand, of course. But, I mean, Calgary's right behind them, too. So, man, this is going to be a really important stretch of games coming up. And and that's what I was saying at at the beginning of the year. This was looking like a very, very tight race. I mean, and and we can't even discount Vancouver. I mean, because it seems like we should because they're so bad against Montreal. But the the record isn't that bad. I mean, they're uh, 14-16-2. and Canadians uh, 13 8 and 7. I mean it's really those seven uh, OT losses that are that are helping them against against Vancouver. It, this division is, is weird and it, I saw someone online kind of compare them to it's like it's a rock paper scissors division. It's some teams just destroy other teams and losing it's and it's just it's just weird. It's just the matchups work in certain ways in this division and it, it, it's like you said it's going to be tough till the end but they it, it's really looking like Calgary is going to be that the main team they're going to be fighting against for the last playoff spot. And if that's the case, they got to figure out how to beat Calgary. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Well, I mean, Edmonton too. I mean, I think, you know, the Canadians, I think are three points back with three games in hand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Winnipeg's not that far off either. I think they're what, like five points ahead of the Canadians. No, they're three points ahead of exactly the same amount of games played. Okay. Okay. And then even Toronto, I mean, they haven't, they, they've lost like their last four, four out of five or something like that. I mean, I don't think we're, I don't think anyone's really going to catch up to Toronto, but, uh, but I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, if they, if they keep sliding, but like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it seems so random a lot of the time, yeah. you know, the Canadians look so amazing into being the season, same thing with Toronto. And now, you know, both teams are, I mean, the Canadians had their struggles. Now they're sort of playing 50, 50, 500 hockey, but uh, you know, Toronto who looked unbeatable for, you know, the first month, month and a half of the season. Now they've, 
they're not looking that great either. So no, it's true. I mean, any team, yeah, it, it does seem like some teams just have other teams number for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if the Canadians could play the Canucks every night, I mean, that that would be yeah. pretty good. <laughs> but uh, then, so then moving on to uh, to yesterday's game, the most recent game. I, I mean, we were talking about it before the podcast. You didn't sound like you you liked the way they played too much. I I really liked what I what I saw from uh from from the Canadians yesterday personally. I mean, first of all, the lines was was the big thing at the beginning, right? Jashama has still been very much figuring out the way he wants, and I, that I've enjoyed. If you're talking about like kind of what changes Jashama has done for the games, he's been moving around the lines a little bit, trying to figure out the chemistry. And I, I really liked what I saw yesterday. The 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 Kotkaniemi with Dwayne Anderson feels like a true first line. I mean. We, we, we liked Suzuki at the beginning of the year, but maybe over Kakemi, most of us, but I definitely think we all agree lately it's been Kakemi. He's been the, 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 the better of the two and playing what really feels like the top line. And then Suzuki had one of his best games in a long time playing next to, to, to Gallagher and to Foley. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if a big part of that is playing next to Gallagher. I mean, we've said it time and time again. Gallagher is the one guy on this team. If you got a guy on the team's in a slump, put him next to Gallagher. And he'll get out of that slump. He he. Everyone can play well with Gallagher. It's just it, it, how can you not give it your all and play hard when you see him doing it shift after shift? Has he ever taken a single shift off Gallagher? I, I genuinely don't think he has. It's it, it's amazing. No, he's he's a beast for sure. I mean, like you said, I mean, when when you have him on his line, on your line, and the the way that he plays, like when you see a guy on your line play that hard, like how can you not give 110 percent like him every every shift too? But yeah, I mean, there there was some positive, obviously. I mean, Cooking Yemi really. I mean, the last two weeks or so, he's been a beast. Yeah. And I mean, you know, his his line was was playing great last night. Um, same thing, man. Suzuki the last little while, like I was, and I was. He really hasn't like obviously aside from from last night. I thought last night he looked great, but for the first time in a little while, like I don't know. Uh, that, 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 what I loved seeing yesterday is he was making those like kind of nifty kind of deeks and moves and creative plays that that we've already always loved seeing, and those are the plays that made us say things like he looks like he's a veteran, right? He looked so comfortable so early in the NHL, and and it it kind of felt like he had lost a bit of that confidence, right? And and it was it was it was getting away from him uh, a little bit, but then we saw that again yesterday. So, I mean, realistically. But let's let's remember that our top two centers are twenty year year old, you know, like 20, 20 years old. So like they're gonna go through slumps. So you you like seeing Suzuki coming back, but it's it, this season. I think we got really excited at the beginning of the year, but the way it's going right now, it kind of makes a lot of sense. This is what we should expect from this team. It's a team with a lot of young players uh, and a lot of other like aging players, and there's gonna be some inconsistencies. As long as it's more often than not, it's good, and you keep seeing growth. But see, that's why I like yesterday. If we can squeak out a win with a strong performance from Price, look, it wasn't perfect, but strong performance from Price and the two kids having a good game and seeing Captain Yemi getting better every every single game, I love those games. That's perfect. That that's still what what's most important to me is to see those kids progress into the the top two centers we need them to be going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you want to see that progression. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think you're right that with the beginning of the season that the Canadians had, you know, our our expectations were probably a little bit higher than maybe they should have been, yeah. and and now they've sort of you know reality has set in, and and this is. 
the team that that they are. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think on paper they're a little bit better than they've played. I think they can play much better. I mean, I definitely don't think you know they're 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 necessarily the team that that we saw at the beginning of the season of scoring five, six, seven goals a game. But uh, you know, I, I they should be, I think, you know, closer to closer to the second or third spot than uh, than the fourth and fifth spot. You know, so so I think they can they can play better hockey than they've played. Uh, I mean, I don't think last night was you know because you said that I wasn't impressed by their performance, which which is kind of true. Like the first half of the game, I thought they played really well, but what I didn't like to see, especially in the third period, they really seemed on their heels, which you know I th- I think is something that we saw a lot under Claude Julien that you know that that, that we you know they 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 always had trouble see- seemingly to defend a lead, and I thought that's what we saw last night, and uh, and I mean they almost gave it away. The thing about last night that I will say that I did not like is, is the, the two goals were power play goals, right? I, I would like to see, to see the power play be a bit better. What I especially didn't like about them, first of all, both Kyle Connor goals, both beautiful shots. I mean, I wouldn't – well, one was a was a screen where Price couldn't see anything, and the other one was a bullet. I don't think anyone would blame Price on either of those goals. But for both those power plays – and I do agree with you late in the game it was kind of similar – they weren't doing. They weren't pressuring the Jets. They were kind of just watching them and letting them set up the play and all that. And we were seeing the same thing late in the game when the Jets were trying to come back. When the, this team has had success on the PK at the beginning of the year, it's because it was pressure, 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 nonstop pressure on 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 the, on the teams. Didn't get and like anytime the Canadians struggle on the power play, also it seems like that's what's going on. Is the other team is putting constant pressure on them. Yesterday they were kind of just watching them play. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Winnipeg has some very very strong high end talent on that power play. Like, is it a case of them respecting the talent too much and not making? Just you got to pressure them more. They were just kind of like watching them. Yeah, I have found that the last couple of weeks that the PK really does seem to be pretty, pretty passive because, I mean, like you said, I mean, they were so they were so successful at the beginning of the year. I mean, they had what I think seven shorthanded goals in like the first like, uh, you know, month or whatever. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's that's what where their success came from is that they they were constantly pressuring the other team. And now they just do seem so, so passive. And every goal, I mean, both goals from Kyle Connor last night, they were pretty much the same goal or like they were pretty similar. And it seems like a lot of the power play goals that they give up are sort of that same sort of slot shot from the slot or between the hash marks. Uh, I mean, I don't know why they seem to have so much trouble defending that, but, you know, I mean, for as far as the power plays come since basically Alex Burroughs has got here, the PK has a lot of work to do to, to get back to where they were at the beginning of the year. So what is surprising to me then, if the PK is an issue, and obviously they're like Deshaun has to be seeing that too, and Luke Richardson and all that. I mean, one of the shining spots on the PK at the beginning of the year was Lekkonen. Now I don't know what Lekkonen has done to Deshaun, but he just he's barely playing lately. He played on Saturday, which I mean was the worst game, but I mean I don't think anyone would put that on on Lekkonen. The whole team played horribly on Saturday, but. On the PK, this 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 team is 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 really really solid. I mean, I I don't I don't get it. Play like I I guess what it is is that Perry took his spot, and I don't think any of a, any Habs fans wants to take Perry out of the lineup. But it's like Perry's the power play specialist and Lekkonen's the PK specialist. But at this point, late in the game, protecting a lead, would you rather have Corey? Uh, would you rather have not Corey Perry? Would you rather have 
Paul Byron or Lekkonen on the ice? Or Jake Evans. You or know, yeah. I mean... Uh... Well, that's the, that's the, that's the center yeah. thing, though. That's the th- Even though his face-offs aren't the best with Evans, I mean, they, 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 they did bench Evans in one game, but Byron isn't really a center. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, I, I guess that's true. But then, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't, I I can't for the life of me understand why Lekin is not playing. Like he, like you said, I mean, he's been, I mean, the last couple of seasons, last two, three, four seasons, he's been, a, you know, what they're maybe their most constant performer on the PK. He's been solid when they had their most success. He was always out there. You know, I mean, yes, they, they obviously have other great guys in the PK as well. Like you know, Philip Deneau, Tyler Toffoli does a pretty good job too. I mean, Paul Byron and, and Jake Evans aren't too bad either, though. Jake Evans, I thought, was great at the beginning of the season. He really hasn't been that great, uh, I mean, for, for weeks now. I don't really. think he's been necessarily bad on the peak, but that's the thing. It's the whole center position thing. But I, I, I really think that's what's keeping him in the lineup. There's no depth there, you know? And especially you look at a game where, where Dano went, went down and, and he only played kind of – didn't play that many minutes, and you really want to have Evans in a situation like that to have some depth. So really, if you're looking at it, if we want to put Lekkonen in the lineup, the, the the three options to me to take out, I don't think you can take out Evans because you need that 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 center. So the three options are basically Corey Perry, which we don't really want to take out because he's so great on the power play, and he, I think he's been a great presence for the Canadians. Then you have Paul Byron, and then the only other name I can think of in, is Armia. And, I mean, I love Armia at times, and other times Armia doesn't seem to do much, right? So I, I don't think it would be crazy to have him sit out for one game, but... There, there kind of seems to only be those two spots to to take out. So who would you take out? Would you take out Byron? Would you take out Armia? Or do you really think you'd take out Evans and just go with Byron at center? Man, I, well, I don't know. Like, was he that? Like, obviously, Byron is not that. He hasn't play, played that much at center. But when he did, was he that bad at faceoffs? Like, is he that much worse than Jake Evans at faceoffs? Yeah. It's not I like guess, Jake Evans is yeah. like, you know. The beast either. No, I for mean, sure. For sure. you know, no, I'd be, I'd be taking out Jake Evans every once in a while. I mean, you know, Army, like, that's like the, the thing about Army. Like, he, there's games where he's amazing, and then he's going to be invisible for weeks. You know, and, and I mean, Byron could definitely sit too, but I mean, I don't know. Lekkonen to me is a guy that should be playing close to every game. And the thing that boggles my mind is the game after Vancouver, when they played, when they were playing Calgary, 22 yeah. hours between puck yeah. drops, how, how is Lekin not in the lineup? How is, how do you not like maybe call up a couple of guys from the taxi squad? Even like, for a week, I thought. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, you could call up anybody. You could have had, uh, you know, even Xavier Ouellette, you could have called him up. I mean, you could have called up maybe some other, some more guys from the Laval Rocket. But I don't know, that, that I thought was really weird. And, you know, it was a recipe for, for a disaster. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously they, they look exhausted. I mean, you could have used some fresh legs. Oh, for sure. but I, I, def- I, I, I thought that was have, weird, too. Yeah. I definitely have Lekin in the lineup more often. Yeah, no, same same for me. I mean, like, I, I, I feel like he's a really underrated player on this team. And it's just what we were just talking about on the PK, that intensity, that that constant pressure no one does it better better than Lekkonen on this team he is really the 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 guy I mean Dano is probably more important because he's the centerman he's the one who wins the most face-offs and all that as far as as the PK goes but as far as putting that constant pressure like a lot of those goals those turnovers were created by Lekkonen like quick stick on the puck and all that I mean Toffoli's obviously got got a few uh shorthanded goals too on 
for for himself. But like, I don't know. I I, I hope that if because if you look at the last game against Winnipeg, the the power play I think was the biggest issue. It's what almost allowed Winnipeg to get back in the game. So if you're looking at that, and that needs to improve. I don't see how one of the solutions isn't to put like an end back in the lineup. Yeah, you you mean the PK was the issue. Sorry, the PK, yeah, yeah the PK. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, Lekkinen, he's like you said. I mean, he's the guy that 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 really offers the most pressure on the opposing team on the PK. Why would you not have him in there? I just I just don't understand. It's uh, I don't know that that I that to me is mind-boggling how they're not using Lekkinen. And that, aside from that, the big news obviously was Sherratt got got injured, so there's been a bit of a shuffling with the 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 defense pairings. Well, first of all, Sherratt, his injury, another has player getting injured because of a honor code fight. I mean, it happened a few years ago with Paul Byron. So the story apparently is that JT Miller just asked him to fight, and apparently, if you're asked to fight, it's it's like a duel, you know, where they slap him in the face with a glove. Like you're not allowed to say no, or it's disrespectful. Is it the same thing? I don't know. Like, just say no. Like, why do you want to help the other team get back into the game? I don't, I don't get it. And I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's so. It's. it's uh, how is this still? Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, gonna gonna disagree. There's still a lot of people that uh, that enjoy fighting that think it should be in the game. But I I don't understand how it's still allowed. I mean, what are we getting from this? No. I. I. It's, and like, it, it's one thing for me. Even like, I wouldn't care at all if it was completely taken out of the game it's one thing for me when it's kind of a natural just players are at, at each other's throats a whole game there's just, there's a cheap hit or something and it just kind of happens naturally or whatever fine anytime i see the gloves drop at a face-off it was a forward and a defenseman like it was clearly just planned before that is so stupid that I there is no place for that at all. But 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 like you said, I'd be fine with it being completely out. I mean, what with all, everything we know with head injuries, and not only that, with the literal like suicides that have happened with former NHL fighters, there's been multiple. And then you see a guy get knocked out on the ice, you're excited. That that's fun for you. Like, how do you not just like thinking about? All the other things that we know now, it's, I agree with you. It's just – it's not even fun to watch anymore. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess no, exactly. five-minute break. Let's go get another beer from the fridge. Like, I don't know. No, is that any any time that, a, that one of the Canadians gets in a fight, I'm, I'm just thinking, oh, man, please please don't get injured. Please yeah, don't get injured. Pretty much. Pretty you much. know, especially – like, you know, you, you were saying, like, when it happens naturally, like the Josh Anderson fight, that to me, you know, is, is a little bit different. You know, they, they were at each other all game. That, fine. But, again – Josh Anderson, man, that's like what you don't want to get hurt. That's like, how he got hurt too. Hurt. That's how he got hurt last time, like when when he was still in Columbus. He got a bad injury from a fight. Yeah, and uh, like, what if he gets hurt and then he's out all season because of a stupid fight? No, like you shouldn't be shouldn't be risking. Yeah, and it, that's selfish. At the end of the day, it's selfish. It's like yeah. taking. It's it's. I mean, it's it's much worse than taking a stupid penalty. Oh You're, yeah. You're potentially injuring yourself and uh, and hurting your team's chances of you know well maybe I mean potentially winning the cup who knows and like but, uh, we talked about maybe Sherratt needed to be benched and at least moved off from the top pairing with with Weber so like people were talking about that how about like okay like I guess it's what uh, 
Habs fans um, were were asking for for having having a, at the end of the day. I mean, Sherrod has had struggles. The team is still better if he's in the lineup. I we I, I just think a lot of fans don't think he should be playing 23, 25 minutes a game. You know, like on a lower paying. Anyways, he he's out now, seemingly for if not the whole the rest of the regular season, almost the rest of the 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 regular season. So. The pairings yesterday, so we had Kulak back with Petrie, which has always been a very, very talked about pairing because as far as advanced stats go, it's monster pairing, absolute monster pairing, and they looked great yesterday. I think Kulak had a fantastic game. Like one of his best games I've seen uh, from him in a while, definitely this year, that's for sure. And it's yeah. no surprise because well, I mean, he was next next to Jeff Petrie. Well, exactly. I mean, let's be honest. Anybody looks good beside Jeff Petrie. I mean, no, not he a looks surprise. particularly good. That that's the thing. There is something to be said about he is a better player when Petrie. Like so other players won't be like. I don't think you put Mete next to Petrie, he'll look as good. There's something about Kulak and Petrie that just gel well together. You know. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, uh, and he definitely did look good. I mean, well, I think, I think Brett Kulak, honestly, like he, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but he's a pretty underrated defenseman. Is he a top two defenseman? No, no. but he's, he's still a very good NHL defenseman. Um, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, he looks, you know, he, him and Petrie have been fantastic together when they have the chance to play together. But uh, yeah. I and mean, then, you know, the, and okay. So, I mean, that, that pairing, no surprise, they played great, you know, and then what what do you think about Edmondson and Weber? See, that's the thing. The, the problem with Kulak and uh, Petrie together is it means Edmondson and Weber played. And it's just – that's just not a pairing I, I think you can have in today's NH- – the thing the, – all the reasons we were saying that Sherratt and, and Weber should be separated, I mean those – all those reasons are still, still applied to, to Edmondson. <laughs> you know, they, they're just not two players that should be playing – Together, at this point, I'd like to see Mete playing with Weber again. It, it had success in the past. And we had talked about, of course, how it's, it can't can be permanent. Eventually, it has to be replaced. But we we used to see Mete sometimes cover for Weber with his speed. And, and it, it's, it's just having that quickness next to Weber might, might really help him. Edmonton Weber just, I don't know. That's not – and it didn't look good yesterday. Like you could tell when they were on the ice because you could tell the speed just dropped dramatically on the ice. No, absolutely. If anything, it's a little bit worse than than Sherrod and Weber. Yeah. Because I mean, I I mean, I mean, I feel like Edmondson's a l- at least a little bit slower than Sherrod. I mean, Sherrod obviously we know is pretty damn slow, but Edmondson's even slower, yeah. and Sherrod can move the puck a little bit. Yeah. Edmondson zero. I mean, you know what you're getting from Edmondson. He is just he's he's good defensively. He does you know he's very good at what he does. But he's certainly not not supposed to be a puck moving, you know, the the puck moving option of yeah. the defensive pairing. Um, so no, that that pairing absolutely makes no sense. I mean, and Ed- a guy yeah. like Edmondson might be a great partner for for Romanov, right? I think if you, if you want to tr- try that out, you know, to to have kind of a safe, kind of secure defenseman, because they they played Romanov with 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 Weber, which I, I do think he he did he did well there. But I mean, if they don't want him playing those big minutes all the time. I mean, would you put Mete back? I, I, I'd put Mete in the lineup over well at that's for sure. Oh man, I don't know. Neither one of them are very good. <laughs> I mean, I put I put Romanov, I guess. I, I mean, Romanov would definitely be my number one. But uh, I mean, Mete and Wellet, I don't, I don't know. Pick your poison. They're yeah. both not not a very good option. I uh, for me, the best option would be in Laval, Otto Liskinen. 
I think he's looked very good in Laval. Um, I mean, I think he's definitely a better option. Xavier Ouellette, I'm I'm surprised he got called up. He has maybe been the – okay, maybe not the worst, but very close to the worst defenseman this season in Laval. So I'm not sure why they decided to call him up. I guess maybe because he's a little bit more experienced and they wanted that experience on the the line – in, to in be clear, he didn't get called up for the game. He's been on the taxi squad for for a week or so, and actually, in t- today's uh, press conference, someone asked Bergman about Cal uh, Fleury, and basically about if he feels that Cal Fleury regressed because he basically had a spot in the NHL, and all of a sudden he's always in the AHL. And Bergman basically saying he didn't think he doesn't think he regressed at all. He just thinks that there were acquisitions acquisitions that were made. Romanov showed up, Edmondson showed up. That kind of pushed out. Flurry, and at this point, he basically said he would rather see Flurry play 15 to 20 minutes a game than be a six-seven where he's spending like half the time he's in the press box, right? So I think that's the main reason why Wellett's the one that got called up because if they're gonna have a player who's on the road, because on the road with the team on the taxi squad, they'd rather it be Wellett, Wellett, right? They just needed a guy there in case someone went down or whatever, and. They just don't want it to be one of the kids, which I I, I completely understand. But now that I wonder now that it, that the 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 Schrott injury is long term, and we know it, there might be a need for someone long term. Now maybe we'll see a move like a Otto Leskinen or something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. that yeah, that, maybe you're right. That that yeah, they I, I guess they did call up. Uh, well, that because, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily expected to play, but, um, yeah, I mean, well, Kale Fleury hasn't exactly been lining up in Laval either. And he's also a right-handed defense. No, no, fair enough. I only brought him up because that's who was, was mentioned in the yeah. press conference. I'm not saying he's the one that needs to be brought up, but he, he made a point, Bergman, like I'm sure what he said about Fleury applies equally yeah, applies to, to all, all, all the, all the younger defensemen in, uh, in Laval. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, you don't really, you don't really have too many great options there, obviously with Willette Mete, man, he hasn't looked that great either. Um, you know, when he, in the last game he played, he really, really was. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I know he hasn't, but he's still like, when he, when he plays, you still see that quickness. He, he's still a phenomenal skater, you know? And it just seems like it's the only thing he really has figured out these that, days. That's the thing, man. We're not like it's not figure skating; it's hockey. No, I, 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 I get skater, that. <laughs> I get that, but I wonder. I wonder if he's a little bit affected with the fact that he's like in and out of the lineup so much, and maybe he'd be well served in having a few back-to-back games. And he has had success next to Weber in the past, and we saw it yesterday with put, putting Kulak next to Petrie again, and it just clicked right away again. It's like they had always been a pair together. That's why I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to maybe see if they can kind of. I mean, for all we know, Weber doesn't want to play with Mete. Like, who knows? Like, we don't we don't know as far as the, what, what what goes on there. But I think the team has to try. Th- I mean, I, I'm, I'm not against what you said. If they want to call up Leskinen and give him a shot, I'm I'm all for that too. But I think I'd rather have Mete than Well. At least Mete has the, the speed, and you still see a few rushes every game when he's playing where he kind of rushes the puck out of the zone and he's he's able to have that kind of transition game that really no one else on the team outside of Jeff Petrie can do from the back end. Like, R- Romanov's going to get there too obviously, but well that is just it's nothing. There's there's no yeah. point in having Wellet on the ace. Oh, that's true. It's true. I mean, he he can be okay as a third pairing, I guess. Um but yeah, I mean, I think Romanov ideally 
would be the option. Uh, I, I guess Duchamp just isn't comfortable having him in that top four role at this point. Even though, I th- man, I think like if he got a bit of time to get used to it and get used to playing with Weber, I think that'd definitely help his confidence. And and I think Romanov with more com- with even more confidence than he already has would just be amazing. Well, I think with Romanov, it's more that they look at him more than just what's best for the team and also always try to consider what's best for him. They're still, I think, very much concerned with his progression and his growth. So I think we're going to see him playing more top minutes some games, like with Weber, maybe more often than not. I just think they don't want him there every single night. But I feel like having him, like, what better way to like, to progress than have him play beside, you know, one of the best defensemen in the last decade in Shea Weber. But, like, he is far, well, far yes, removed from being one of the best. So now <laughs> is, it, is it a bad thing for him to play with Weber when Weber is kind of – he's not the easiest defenseman to play with, you know? Like, he a – lot, a lot, oftentimes you see Weber put his partner in a kind of, of a rough position, right? And – you don't necessarily want that. But then, I mean, the flip side of that is yesterday he played with Wallet. Like, obviously, Weber is better than Xavier Wallet, you know? So, But, I mean, Romanov, he only played 13 minutes yesterday, so he didn't have uh, that much ice, almost 14, actually. But he, he had s- some nice plays, and I think especially that hit, that hit. But first of all, he's already the, the, the top hitter on the team, and I, I think I saw today that he's top 10 in the NHL in, uh, in the hits this year, and that's considering how many minutes he plays per game. And that's just a sign of things to come. I mean, he's going to turn into a monster hitter in, in the NHL. I, I think that's that was just one hit of many. And I think uh, – is it Kyle Connor uh, Ehlers that he hit? Oh, the Ehlers. And, Ehlers. and even Ehlers said after yeah. the game, he was, uh, you know, he was asked, did you not see him? And he said, yeah, I saw him. I just didn't realize how, how uh, solid he was. I, so, I, I, I love that. That's what you like to hear. Yeah, exactly. For exactly sure. what you like to hear. So that, that that's a good sign. But – I mean, I, I respect – here's the thing with Jashaam. We'll, we'll say what we will about whether he's done enough changes, whether, you know, it, as far as being the head coach. But the one thing I think I, I think I'm very confident in his ability is working with young players and getting him to their potential. And I think he knows what he's doing with, with Romanov in, in, in that sense. So I understand his kind of hesitance to have him with Weber for like 20 minutes a game every single game. But I'd love to see him get more minutes – on uh on the on the PK and even on the power play sometimes Romanov like that I, I that that's something I'd I'd like to see like, even even on the power play because I feel like he does have some offensive kind of flair and there's it's kind of very it's very low risk right on the power play like you, you can give him more minutes there because usually you're not going to allow a goal you know you, you, there's no it's easy minutes for Romanov to get you know yeah, I, f- I find when he has got the opportunity on the power play, he's he's looked pretty good. Yeah, like he he really seems to have. He's not, you know, he doesn't have the biggest shot. That's for sure. Like he's not going to score a bunch of goals, but you know, he he definitely does have some pretty solid vision out there. So, I, yeah, I definitely I would love love to see him more uh, more on the power play for sure. But uh, but I mean, basically any option I think is better than Edmondson. You know, as as good as Edmondson's been, it just doesn't make sense to have him playing with Weber. Yeah, playing with yeah with Weber, yeah for sure. And, and that's but the thing is is so do you keep Kulak with uh with Petrie now or because the thing is is with both Kulak and Edmondson, they both seem to play very well with 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 Petrie. So who do you think is going to be? I think what you need to do is who do you think is going to be best without Petrie? Yeah. Is Edmondson going to be better without Petrie or is Kulak going to be better without Petrie? I mean, I think Kulak 
you know, Kulak and Weber, I think you could maybe try that out. Uh, you know, I, th- I mean, I think that they definitely mesh better than Edmondson and uh, yeah, I do agree Weber, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I think I'd give that a shot. You know, because I mean, Edmondson obviously is working with Petrie. You know, obviously either one of them is going to work with Petrie, but Kulak, I think it definitely, you know, I I think it makes sense with Weber. I'd give that a shot. If not, then maybe you do Kulak, um, Kulak back with Petrie. And then I think Mete with Weber. The thing, the thing I think about Mete and and you sort of touched on it is that he sits out of the lineup so, so much when he does get into the lineup, he tries to do too much. And that's when he gets into trouble. Because Mete, you know, when, when he's had success, when he's played with, you know, Weber and, and, and a, you know, he's played a bit with Petrie as well. When he, when he keeps his game simple yeah, is when he plays good. And that's, that's what he has to get back to. So maybe if he plays, you know, a couple of games, he gets a handful of games with Weber and really gets to get back into, you know, back into the groove. I think that, I think he could have some success. And then you, you, you'll play him less, right? Because you'll, you'll keep, they'll keep playing Weber on the, on the PK, but then you don't play, uh, Mete on the PK, so you know the the minutes will be a bit more controlled in that sense, and 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 we we know it 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 can, it can work, you know, like they were a pretty solid pair when 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 they were together when Mete was was just coming into the NHL, and the whole thing about him trying to do too much, I mean, it was definitely the worst case of that was his first game he played because yeah. he he went a long time without playing, and then he, he came back trying like it was so obvious that he was trying to prove himself that he needs to play every night and all that, he needs to figure that out. For sure. I mean, I wonder if that's what's keeping him out of the lineup at this point. Because every time they put him in, he he plays like a chicken with his uh, head cut off, right? Because he, he he wants to prove so much and all that. But I, I still think he, especially with Sherratt out, you know, he he deserves this chance. Uh, like they won the last game, so I know coaches what they love to do. Oh, we won the game, so no need to make changes. So I don't know if well that's going to get another game. I, and also, I wonder. Also, it's Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg. One thing about them, their forward group is huge. So that might be part of it too. They don't want Mete there against against Winnipeg. That that might be all it is. But I mean, yeah, which yeah, maybe maybe right. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, that obviously isn't isn't a great option either. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think give give Mete you know his shot beside Weber. Give him a few games, you know, let a so that he knows that you know you're not gonna the the, the second he makes a mistake or, or doesn't. Uh, you know, doesn't have an amazing game. He's gonna get kicked, the, you know, back back into the press box. Give him a sustained amount of time with Weber and and see what happens. And then, you know, if not, well, the trade trade deadline's coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, see if we can do something. Well, speaking of the trade deadline, like I said before, Bergevin had his uh, his press conference, and obviously, I mean, I think the first question was about potential trades. I mean, there's been these these rumors about uh, Ekholm is a name that's out there because Nashville seems to be very much all sellers aside from a few players, and Ekholm that does fit this team very well. But Bergevin right away he he was definitely tempering expectations. Like first of all, rumors almost never come out of Bergevin's side. Like it, he 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 runs a tight ship there. But he right away said there's no cap room. And the last game, um, the, I think he said there was thirty thousand dollars of cap room in the last game. And a lot of people were thinking with Chirot being out, then you you get that cap space. But basically, what he said yes today, Bergevin is that he doesn't. They don't expect Chirot to be out until. Until the playoffs, so if he does come back and they made a move, they still have to have that space available to put Sherratt back into the lineup. 
So even if you go get – and a guy like Ekomi has almost exactly the same salary cap as Sherratt, so you still need to kind of move some salary. So I don't know. I, I still think I – mean, knowing Bergeron, he's always trying to make moves, but he definitely seemed like he's saying, look, I'd love to make moves, but we just don't have the cap space. And someone ha- asked him if he'd be willing to move a pick to to free up some cap space, and I think the first name that comes to mind is probably Byron. He didn't want to name names, obviously. But he, what his point was, there's, there's no dead money on this team, right? The, the, this Every player on this team still brings something. There can be some overpaid players, and I would agree with that. Byron's definitely overpaid, but it's not like he's useless. He's still, he's still a useful player to have on this team. So to him, the idea of moving a pick to give Byron to someone is is not a, a, a good plan, right? So I don't know if, we, if, if Ekholm is really realistic for this team, honestly. Yes, it's definitely going to be tricky. It's like you said, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no room right to make any moves really um yeah i mean there's no definitely no dead uh, yet i mean nobody's taken byron you know you'd have to obviously he's on waivers but there's no way today but uh, obviously no way that he's going to get picked up but you know if you went out and got a guy like echo okay they're probably not taking byron back you know you'd have to pay a premium for that but a guy like uh first of all armia yeah. i think you could easily find a finder for him and lekkanen I, honestly, if the Canadians wanted to move Lekkonen, I think there would be a line of teams waiting to get him. And so, I mean, you know, if, if the Canadians wanted to go out and get Ekholm, which probably makes a, a decent amount of sense, he's got, I think, at least two years left on his deal. So, yeah, oh, yeah. he has a, this year and next year on his deal. And, you know, maybe maybe Nashville would want a guy like Lekkonen or Armia back. You know, because I, I, if I'm not mistaken... Well, Armia said, doesn't make sense because he's a UFA at the end of the year. So uh, I don't know if Armia makes sense for, for Nashville. Lekkonen is just an RFA at the end of the year. So that may, might, might make more sense. And he's 2.4 on the cap. Uh, uh, on the cap. So you can't. I think if you move... I mean, I'm not a cap specialist here. But I think if you, if you make those moves with, with Sharp being on the IR for a bit... They, they should be fine with that move. Uh, it's just... Obviously, it's going to take a lot more than Army, than, uh, than Oh, Lekin. of course. Oh, there's going to be prospects but, uh, and all that. Yeah, no, of course. Yes. I mean, you know, it's it's going to take a lot to, to, to get him. I mean, you're probably looking at one of... Well, first of all, a first-round pick. You're going to be looking at a first-round pick. I mean, I think Lekkonen going back probably makes sense. That, if I'm not mistaken, they said... Uh, I mean, the, you know, when the, when the rumors came out about uh, Ekholm, is that they wanted, you know, a prospect, a pick, and a roster player. So I mean, yeah. Lekkonen, I think makes sense for a roster player. You a first round pick, and then you're probably looking at one of those defensemen. Obviously, the Habs aren't going to move Cole Caulfield. I don't think no. there's any way of moving Caden Gooley either. No. Um, Especially but, with how well he played when uh, when he was playing in Habs. Oh, exactly. Gooley, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, you know, a guy like, and we talked about this, I think, on the last episode, Jaden Struble, definitely a possibility. Another guy, Norlinder, I don't know if they if the Canadians will want to move him. See, the but thing with Norlinder guy, is, I don't know if you remember, Bergeron had that interview, uh, I, th- I think it was before the season, or just as the season started, with uh, with the, the, the TVA guy, uh, and uh, like J- J-I-C or whatever his name is, and when they talked about the trade where, where uh, Bergeron got Norlinder, but the, when they put him on the trade board, they didn't include Norlander. And then Bergman made a point of be like, oh, you're forgetting someone. We also got Norlander. He's looking really good. So it, the, the way he talked about Norlander there, he kind of lit up, you know? Like, I feel like Bergman's a big fan of Norlander. So it doesn't mean, like, you trade good players. It happens. But I got the feeling that he kind of wants to hold on to him. He, he kind of has a, 
a bit of a soft spot for him and wants to see him what he can do in the in the, in the Canadians uniform. I'd be a little bit surprised if he moves in, honestly. No, I, I agree. They definitely the organization definitely seems extremely high in Norlander. Uh, a, a prospect that could potentially make sense is is Jordan Harris, who he yeah. just finished uh, his college season just finished and very likely he's about to sign. Yeah. Uh, so he could definitely make a lot of sense. Canadians obviously have an abundance of, of left-handed defensemen already. And Nashville, I mean, they, you know, they typically like to build from, from the net out. I mean, they, yeah. they love their defensive prospects. So, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it could make a lot of sense there for sure. It's possible, but at the same time, I mean, if, if you compare like in the press, obviously he was asked about prospects and all that. And, and Bergman said, and he was asked if he's scared about his job security because of all, all the Stefan Waite stuff and all that. And he said, look, he doesn't he doesn't do his job scared. He, and he's still focused on the present, but also the future. Like he's not interested. And, and I love hearing that personally, because the worst trades in sports history have been desperate GMs moving prospects at, at the wrong time. Uh, to, to like, I wouldn't want to like if he some if if he moved to Cole Caulfield for for for, for a guy like Echo, I'd lose my mind. I don't think that's gonna happen. But you know, like the thing we've seen desperate GMs do worse things. But the 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 parallel here is he's basically been being safe about it, while Kyle Dubas in Toronto just had a press conference and he openly was saying willing to trade top prospects, willing to make those types of moves, first round picks and all that. For a guy like Eckholm, there's going to be a lot of demand, and let's say Toronto wants him too, and he does. They don't want Montreal to get them. I have, I don't think we're going to want to match what Toronto will be willing to give for him. Hypothetically, let's say Dubas also wants Eckholm. We're not going to want to give the same package they're going to give because we're not willing to make that type of uh, huge deal. That that that's that, and depending on what the deal is, I think if Eckholm does get traded. And it's not to the Canadians. I wonder if we're going to look at that trade and be like, oh, okay, I'm kind of happy the Canadians didn't make that move because it would have cost way too much. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, because there are, there are you know, for as many rumors there are, the Canadians are looking at Ekholm. There's a lot of rumors out there. Toronto's looking at him too. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. But at the same time, man, I don't know. I think Bergevin knows that he's and no I def I like I definitely agree with what he said that I don't think he's desperate to make any moves but I definitely think he sees this window right now and you know that it man like it's it's not getting any bigger this window right price yeah. is getting older Weber is already falling off a cliff this season uh you know I mean Jeff Petrie is amazing he's been he's what I think 33 year, years old He's he ages like fine wine. I, I know, but one day, man, he's going to fall off a cliff too, yeah. probably. You know, so he knows that, man, like this win- – and, I mean, let's not forget Philip Deneau and, and Thomas Tatar, you know, for for as little as they've really done this season, their UFA is the end of the year. Are they going to be back? Who knows? You know, so. Yeah, but at the same time, like the quote-unquote window, I feel like is more – coming up for this team you know like i i, I still think we're a, a year or two early because i think the window is going to be around when kutkin and suzuki really becoming the, the players they can become in the next couple years and this is kind of like the, the the even like let's let's compare it to jonathan taves and patrick kane they didn't win the Stanley Cup their first year that they were in the NHL and they were starting to be good. It takes a few years. It takes a few playoff series where they lose. And I, I just think that realistically, if this team is going to win a Stanley Cup, that the window isn't right now. It's in the next few years, and you have to be smart with that. You know, I, I don't think this year is the year. Like Kyle Dubas saying he's willing to sell the farm, 
to go for it this year makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense that he's being op- so open about it, but the idea that Toronto should go for it right now makes a ton of sense, right? They 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 have the team. Their their window is definitely like right now. Toronto, I think, I still think is a few years away, right? Like when they when they have guys like Katkiniemi and Suzuki who are in the same year as a guy like Austin Matthews, and when they're a bit more established in the NHL, if they can develop into those kind of stars, then you still have guys like like Dwayne Anderson and 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 Toffoli and Gallagher uh, on the team. And the thing is, is Price. The hope is that Price, now that he's looking good, he's kind of figured it out and. We've seen goalies be good into for a very, very, very long time. So we still might have a few more years of, of solid price if he's figured it out. Shea Weber's already passed the window. It's already gone. So that is what it is, you know, but, but, but whatever. Like, And the team has good de- uh, pro- prospects on defense. So hopefully that, that, that'll that get fixed. But the idea that the window is this year for this team to go on a true cup run, I just don't believe that. No, I'm. I, uh, I, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you're right about the. You know, uh, obviously, Kukinemi, Suzuki, they're not. I mean, they're very good right now, obviously, but you know, they're they're a few ways a, a few years away from their oh, prime. Still I mean, getting better. Yeah, they're certainly not going to. Bergevin is certainly not going to sell the farm to go get a guy like Ekholm or whatever. But I mean, they have so many assets. They have so many prospects. Sure. They have so many picks. I what I'm saying is I don't think he's afraid to. You know, because if the Canadians don't make the playoffs this year, I mean, Bergevin, like after he spent all this money, you don't think he's going to be on the hot seat if they don't make the playoffs? I mean, he'll be on the yeah. hot seat. I mean, it's already being talked about. So it's going to be in the papers. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be on Twitter. Like, is he's going to be, if you're going to say hot seat, yes. Whether or not he's, he's going to get fired, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's not going to jeopardize the future to make a move. But I, uh, man, if there's a move out there, he's he's gonna. Uh, I yeah, I think he's no. gonna make it. But that's always been true with Bergman. Bergman's never been trade is scared to make a trade. But the reality of it is is that this the is is the cap situation. I I, I just think if this team was truly in the cup window, then it would make more sense to maybe move a pick to move Byron and then give a bunch of prospects to go get an Ekholm and then another piece. You know. And also, let's not forget the whole quarantine thing, right? Because if they have if they have to move a roster player to go get Ekholm to clear some cap space, that means that that's 14 days where you you've lost that roster player. So that's that's yeah. a loss right there. Like we're talking about a player that plays that is still valuable to the team, and then it's, it's 14 names before you even get Ekholm to to suit up for your team, right? For a team in Montreal, which is in no way guaranteed to make the playoffs right now. So it, it really makes very little sense to make a move like that. I think what we've talked about earlier in the year about maybe having looking at one of the, one of the Canadian teams when they're more obviously out of the playoffs and getting maybe an extra, some help at center, right? You know, Evans has been a little bit not oh, exactly what you want as a fourth line center. Maybe that's a more realistic kind of move that you can make. You get a low salary guy that you can clear space for by just sending a guy like Evans to the minors, you know, so. I think oh, that's yeah. more realistic. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I cannot see the Canadians not getting a, a center, yeah. you know, it, before the trade deadline, like for sure. The way Jake Evans, you know, I mean, they they need a guy that can win faceoffs. You know, so they're they're going to, I mean, I can't believe that they're not going to get a veteran fourth line center, probably, like you said, from a Canadian team. That way they can get them right away. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the other teams if, well, I mean, Ottawa's already out of the the run running, but uh, you know, Vancouver. Who knows if 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they really have any options. We well, we yeah. talked actually. I think the last episode about Brandon Sutter, but his salary is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So that, that, that's when you might see more of a hockey move where they move Lekkonen, for example. I mean, we both love Lekkonen, but like hypothetically, they move Lekkonen for kind of a, an equal value player, a similar type of player, but a centerman, right? Yeah. Yeah, that could uh, could be a possibility too. But yeah, I mean, uh, you got to think that that it for sure they're going to do that. I mean, I could see them, you know, maybe they can get a guy like not necessarily at home, but you know, s- some help on defense. Yeah, but, but then I don't know if I if I want that. I don't know if there's a point in getting another four, five, six defenseman. I feel like this team has that, and and there's options in Laval even to help with that. I, I think. Personally, as far as defense goes, unless it's it's a high-level guy like Ekholm for the right price, I don't know if it even makes sense to make a move because then you're just adding more kind of like of the same to this decor, and then we're just having these same conversations. Oh, how are we doing these pairings? I don't know. We don't have a true number one defenseman. It's just – I mean we do, and Jeff Petrie, don't get me wrong, but like a true number one lefty, you know? So I don't see the point in doing that move. No, uh, I mean, I guess that's true, but uh, I, st- I still think he's going to make a run for Echo. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we'll see what Toronto ends up offering, and what uh, you know what what he ends up getting moved for. But yeah, it, I mean, and definitely, like you said, I mean, the quarantine definitely makes it so much more complicated. But let's say Toronto is willing to move a Nick Robertson level prospect to get Echo. Well, then, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, exactly. Then I'm like, all right, well, enjoy Ekholm, Toronto. Like, <laughs> I mean, eh, we're not, I, I just don't think if Toronto does want Ekholm and it's, let's say it's a bidding war between, between Montreal and Toronto, I think there's no way Toronto, Montreal wins that bidding war. Not, not because Montreal doesn't have the assets, but just Montreal won't be willing to go as high as, uh, as Toronto will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, t- Toronto, you would think is probably, probably willing to go higher. I mean, you got it. Yeah. I mean, if you're Toronto, why not go all in? Really? No, exactly. Exactly. For, for them, it makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. The window is right now. I mean, and eventually the cap is going to catch up to that team. It's already kind of ca- caught up to them a, a, a little bit. It's, it's, they, they should 100% uh, go for it. I don't think, it, like, I, I really think what it's going to be is, and it's the, the center we just talked about. And I'm just wondering if it's going to happen right now. Like, not right now, but like very, very soon because. If if they try to go get like for example, there's Eric Stahl rumors that he's going to get moved. I, from, from what I understand, he doesn't want to come to Canada, and it's nothing against Canada. He's just he doesn't want to go through a 14 day quarantine, which is totally fair. I, I wouldn't want to do that either, right? So, the the options are really restricted. I, I, there's that, and then there's the 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 cap space and all. That. It's going to be extremely difficult for Bergman to make a, a proper trade uh, this year. So. I mean, I wouldn't be even that shocked if nothing happens. I know you're convinced the center thing happens. It could still not happen. If they get to the trade deadline and they haven't made a move yet, at that point, what's the point of making a move? He's only going to be yeah. here in two weeks. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, well, I mean, you, you would think that he has to get that fourth line center. But, yeah, it, it just – I mean, this year is just – it's so complicated. Yeah. You know – it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks for sure. Any other any other year, I'd I'd I'd, I'd agree with you hundred percent. It's just so con- basically for the if they I think the 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 move I can see happening is if they find a, a suitable kind of partner in the Canadian division. But then it's such a closed division. Even Vancouver right now, I don't think they're ready to throw in the towel. They they they, they could they they go on a on a, on a run for a few games and they're very much in the playoff picture, right? So, and this is Vancouver is a team that that had a run last year, right? So. 
it's true. going into this year they expected more right so i don't think they're ready to give up yet um but anyways um, i think uh, i think that pretty much covers it for uh, for the Berge, uh conference i mean it was just kind of standard there's been so many the one thing i, I will say about bergman's conference versus uh the the last one because he did one, he did a couple very recently because he fired coaches twice he looked rough in both those two conferences. He looked a lot better today. So I was, I, I'm happy to see Bergeron's getting getting some sleep and, and maybe he's well rested to make the decisions he he needs uh he needs to make. But anyways, we're running kind of long now. So let's let's get to the the Twitter questions. All right. So the uh, the first question that we got is from the Have Statistician podcast. Um, so do you guys think Duchamp has a doghouse? I mean, every coach has a doghouse, but some are notorious for it. Do you think Duchamp is one of those guys? Um, well, I, I mean, it's hard to say, but I mean, you know, we talked about it already. Lekkinen, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I mean, I, I kind of, as we talked about it, more understood why he hasn't played. It's it's Corey Perry. Like, it, Corey Perry took his spot, and Corey Perry's looked so good on the power play. And the problem, I just don't think they trust Byron at center, and they they'd rather have Evans there. And I guess that, but but at the same time, I I, I agree. Like, I'll, if Lekkonen doesn't get uh, some some games uh, after kind of like the next few games, then I'll believe it. But aside from that, like he doesn't seem like the type to have a doghouse. Honestly, I it just I mean at some point I think every coach can have one, but I don't think he has one right now. I think it's just the reality of the roster is it's just not good for Lekkonen, but the, I, I, at the same time, I do agree we need to find a way to squeeze him in, but I just... But again, I, on the on the, back, the back-to-back, the fact that he didn't Yeah, play. no, that is weird. That, that is to weird. me, I don't... That's I, true. I just don't understand it. But then he's, like, he's played, why? And he's played, I think, one game out of the last six or seven? Yeah, something and, like that. And, I mean, I think you, you, you said the minutes before, he only played, like, ten minutes in that game. Like, yeah. I know he's a fourth-liner, but, like, even then, ten minutes? Lekkonen, he gets a lot of time on the PK, too. Uh, man, I don't know. For whatever reason, like, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you that uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of coach. That, you know, he seems more like, more of a player's coach than anything. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't think so. But if he does, Lekkonen definitely seems to be in that doghouse for whatever the reason. The thing is, is it a doghouse or is it just, you know, whatever the opposite of a doghouse is? And he just perf- – like, he seems to really like Byron, I think. He he's been giving Byron a lot of chances. I mean, we and and like uh, like he's been we've been seeing Byron late in games to protect leads. We've seen Byron kind of like playing a lot of more more PK minutes and all that. And I mean, I've always liked Byron, but he's clearly lost his step with the injuries he's had and 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 all that. Where at this point, it's like I think he's the guy I'd like to see out of the lineup for Lekkonen, Honestly, I think Lekkonen brings more on the PK than Byron. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I mean, Byron, you know, uh, the last couple of seasons he's been a great on the PK. He's you know, just because of that speed, but um, yeah, he's he's definitely lost a step. I mean, I I, I still think he he's a decent depth guy, but I'd I'd definitely be playing Lekin in ahead of Byron. Uh, so next question, uh, so next question comes from Kevin Rogers, uh, and uh, he actually has two questions. Uh, so the first one, if the Habs are supposed to have strong, and uh, well, I guess this kind of touches on this question, but if the Habs are supposed to have strong depth, why aren't we rotating guys in more with the compressed schedule? That's uh, that's a good question <laughs> that I'd love to know the answer to. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems really weird. So, I mean, and we haven't even seen Frolik yet, right? 
No, not, not not even a single game, which is just like you're asking for him to be terrible when he comes back, basically. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, he's probably miserable <laughs> just like uh, just being in the taxi squad all, all the time. And yeah, like especially especially with that game that, that we that we've already talked about where in Calgary, where it was just they, they played the same day. Right. The game ended. And then the same day, because it was 1 a.m. when it ended, they were playing in uh, in a different city. They had to travel on top of it. And the only new player that played was Mete because Sherat got got injured. So I don't I don't get I don't get that I don't get that either. No, I don't get it. And I mean, like he, he needs to play because I mean, you know, he's an older guy too. I mean, he's I I saw his first game. I watched the the first game that he played with with Laval. Yeah. I, I think he's played he's played at least two games in Laval and I saw the first game and yeah he didn't look very good so maybe maybe that's why they've kept him out of the lineup because he wasn't very good when he played for Laval um but he, man like he needs to play and that's yeah. why you signed him right to have that depth especially when you're playing that many games and, and especially what well, we've, we've said it a million times now but uh, you know those back-to-back games it doesn't make sense why you're not playing these guys you know that's that's why you've signed these guys, right? So it it definitely seems really weird. Even Mete, I mean, he's barely, you know, obviously he's not the the most talented defenseman, but I mean, you know, you you should be playing him more often. You know, take Kulak out every once in a while. Sharat before he got injured, I mean, he should have sat a long time ago. So he was he hasn't yeah. been very good this season. The, so the one thing about that though is that the Calgary game, which when we were talk we were talking about it, and I was I was thinking. Who would have I sat out if I was a coach? Probably been Corey Perry. Corey Perry scored the only goal for the Montreal Canadiens in that game. So, you it's know, like, you, you never know. Yeah, no, it's it's true. You never know. But I, I don't know. You have all this depth. Why are you not using it, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Hope, hopefully he uses it more moving forward. Like, uh, I don't know. The Canadians have, have been relatively lucky so far with injuries. So yeah. I guess he hasn't really have to use it. But, you know, at some point, I'm sure this depth is uh, is going to come into play. It has to, and the the schedule is getting not getting any any easier. It's just every other day there's a game. It's a, every team at this point is going to be playing the third game in four days. It seems like you know all the time. Yeah. Um, and then follow up question from uh, again from Kevin Rogers. So at K A Rogers seventy seven on Twitter. Uh, bonus question: What happens first? Habs finally win an OT game, or Michael Froley gets into a game? Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on either one. I'm going to say Froelich gets a game because I think it's more likely we get an injury that brings Froelich in the lineup than we get an OT uh, win. No, I'm I'm definitely going to say the Habs get an OT game for Lekin and Kenny get into the lineup. They have to actually make it to overtime, though. That's the thing. You got to play the odds here. They, They could go... They could go two weeks without, without without an overtime game, you know. There's, there's no guarantee we're going to see any overtime games. So that, yeah, that's but, more, that's what that's my logic. And then we but we could see some injuries and all that. And what we just talked about. Now I think I think Froelich gets in the lineup first. Matt Lekin and can't even get into the lineup. You think Froelich's going to get into the lineup? And what if there's an injury? <laughs> well, I mean, there'd have to be almost two injuries at this point yeah, to true. get Froelich in the lineup. Uh, and well, even we then, can't, we can't agree who, on everything, Dustin. Okay, so uh, I guess. Just, I guess, but uh, no, I'm definitely going to say they're going to they're going to win an OT like soon. I was right about Philip Deneau score when we went. Uh, so, okay, so probably should have mentioned that we were on Scotian Canadian on oh, YouTube that's true. That's last true. week. And who called Deneau scoring a goal? 
this guy. Yeah, but wasn't it like the third time you were calling them? Like, if you call it every time, eventually you're gonna be right. Dude, third time, third time's a charm, man. <laughs> okay. but, but here's okay. You're saying soon, but like I said, you you, you don't know when the next overtime game is gonna be. So are you saying they're gonna the next OT game they they play they're gonna win or they're, win. they're gonna they're, do it? Yeah. So then, so whenever the next OT game is, they're winning. Exactly. I mean, you'd think eventually, you know, you'd think eventually. Uh, they're so def- yeah, they're def yeah they're they're definitely gonna win an OT before for a league plays. And uh, finally, uh, well, it's not actually not really a question, more of a uh, a Habs comment or opinion. Um, so this is uh, from Etienne Ferland, so at Etienne Ferland on Twitter. Uh, Petrie is having an outstanding season. We think uh, he should get the Norris. In my opinion, he can't win it if uh, if the D's average more ice time than him, and if he's not even the most utilized D on his team. Uh, he's clearly the best D- Habs D and should average more than 22-29 when you take a look at uh, Victor Hedman making, uh, doing 25 minutes and 30 seconds a game. So, like, basically three and a half minutes more than Petrie. Do you th- – I mean, do you think that that plays into uh, him potentially being a Norris candidate? It can play into it. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think – here's the thing. We're already hearing uh, like rumblings about Petrie being talked about as 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 a Norris candidate, and then that 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 does mean something. So I, I definitely think he's in, is in the conversation. And I mean, an argument can be made that if he's getting less minutes but producing just as much, uh, he can uh, he can go for. It. But here's my hope. Though. My hope though, because if you look at the last game, uh, yesterday's game against against Winnipeg, he played 25 minutes, and Weber's not getting better, and Petrie just keeps playing amazing. I I just, my hope is that this isn't an issue moving forward. And that Petrie will continue to play about 25 minutes a game because he can. He, does, he and he doesn't. It's not, it's not like he looks like he gets gas or anything like that. He can play on the PK. He can play on the power play. There's no reason for Jeff Petrie not to get those minutes. So I don't think this is going to be an issue because I think by the time we get to the Norris vote, assuming like there's no injuries or anything, I think Petrie's average time on ice will have gone way up. And especially if this team makes the playoffs. And he's basically the MVP for this team. I think he's going to have a strong case for uh, for the Norse. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think so. But first of all, yeah, I think that if he is not playing that top minutes, like if if, if at the end of the season he's at like the same average time, 22 minutes, then he's not going to win. Because I think it definitely makes a big difference. A, a defenseman that's playing more than 25 minutes a game, sure. he's always out there in all situations, a guy like Victor Hedman. Then absolutely, he's going to get the nod ahead of, a, of Jeff Petrie, even if Jeff Petrie maybe is playing better. He's putting up more points. He's has a well plus minus, you know, whatever. But you know, if he has a better plus minus and all that, if he's playing three, four, five minutes less than uh, than Victor Hedman, no, sure, no. that makes sense. But absolutely, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that he should be playing that 25 minutes. And I mean, hopefully, you know, like you said, he played 25 whatever last game. Hopefully, that's that's the thing, a sign of things to come. Because I mean. Shea Weber just seems to get worse and worse each game. I mean, he's <laughs> exactly fallen off. Of, like I just can't like, believe. We can't be the only one seeing it, right? Like it, it, for, for the 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 coaching staff has to be seeing it, and eventually, you have to stop hoping he's gonna figure it out and just realize that it's just who he. And like we've talked about last week, just play to his strengths. Stop playing him twenty five minutes a game because that's what's exposing him. I think Weber can still be an NHL defenseman, but his role needs to change. We're setting him up to fail now. 
just give him the right partner and play him the right amount of minutes and then have Petrie play those top minutes and it's going to be better for everyone. Everyone. I don't know if there's other things that come into play with wet Weber's a veteran and like the, he, he, he like, he's a captain. He has a strong voice and you see he's upset. He, you see him getting really, really frustrated with the, with, with this play. Like on, when he, they allow goal, goals on the PK, he grabbed the puck out of the net and, and threw it out one time and he's slamming his stick. He's upset. So I don't know if he's asking to play more minutes to figure it out, but if that is what it is, I mean, someone needs to tell him guy, it's okay. You're old. I'm getting old too. It happens to everyone. Don't, like it's fine. Yeah, no, nah, he he's definitely got to play less, and uh, and you know we've talked about it. he he needs a, a partner that that's going to compliment him and not be basically yeah. the same defenseman as he is. So you know put him that put him beside Romanov, Petrie, or sorry not Petrie, uh, Mete, uh, Kulak, whoever it might be, but uh, not Edmondson. No, yeah, or Sherrod. or Sherrod. <laughs> because that's what they're going to do. As soon as Sherrod's back, they're going to put him back together, even though it wasn't working. hundred uh, percent, guaranteed. <sighs> So was that it, or was there another one? Was that the last one? Uh, no, no, that was it. That was it for the Twitter questions. All right, so as always, thank you so much for those questions. At the Habs Forum on Twitter, we love uh, getting them. So, I mean, before we uh, we get going here, we're already kind of uh, running uh, high, but let's do a bit of the predictions like we've been doing. So in Winnipeg tomorrow, and then back home, back-to-back Friday, Saturday uh, against Vancouver, and then on Monday against Edmonton, the first of three games against Edmonton. So a packed week, four games. I don't know. What do you think? All right, I'm going two and two. They're gonna two go and two. two and two. They're gonna lose tomorrow against Winnipeg. It's uh, I mean, it's it's not gonna be good. It's gonna be like uh, let's say three one. Okay. I guess that's not bad, but yeah, I'm gonna say three one. Uh, they're gonna split it against Vancouver, including an overtime win. That's <laughs> okay. right. That's right. <laughs> and they're going to beat Edmonton. So they're going to go one and one against Vancouver, including an overtime win. And then uh, Edmonton, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to beat Edmonton. I think Price, uh, he's going to have, uh, he's going to continue on his, uh, on his strong string of, uh, string of wins. They're playing back to back, right, against Vancouver? Yeah, back to back against Vancouver. So Allen, you got to think, is going to get one of those. Allen's going to lose. Allen's going to lose. You think Allen's going to lose? So. Which which Vancouver game do you think they're gonna lose? Uh, they're gonna lose the second one. I'm assuming Allen's probably gonna play the second one, so they're gonna lose the second one. See, I think so. I I kind of see what you're saying with Winnipeg tomorrow. I'd like to see a strong performance, but see, I'm gonna say overtime loss tomorrow. Another one. Shit. N- another overtime loss tomorrow, and I think they actually lose the first game against Vancouver because. It's a uh, the first game back from a long road trip, and they they always say that that's it's like it's another game on the road trip. That's always a rough game. That's always a rough game. The teams they got back home after a long time away. You know, you know they're they're having too much fun with their wives. I don't know, but they always have a rough game. It happens every time. So I think that's the game they lose. But then they crush Vancouver on Saturday and they win again against Edmonton. All right, all right. They're having too much fun with their wives. What are they doing? Playing playing Scrabble or something? Yeah. Exactly. Don't you love playing Scrabble <laughs> with your girlfriend? <laughs> That's it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> all right. So I guess you're saying two and two, and I'm saying uh, two one and one. Uh, another OT loss for the for the record. Eh? We're gonna the team the team's gonna make the the playoffs with less wins than uh, than losses if you include the OT losses with the regular losses. That's that's what's gonna happen. 
<laughs> and it's going to be pathetic. Anyways, I, I, I mean, dude, that doesn't matter. Three-on-three hockey doesn't exist in the playoffs. They just need to make the playoffs. Five-on-five, five, this is a very good team. Anyways. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that does it uh, for uh, for today. I mean, I guess we didn't talk much about uh, about, about, about Cole Caulfield. Uh, I mean, quickly, I guess we should mention that. He had that amazing, tied the game, then won the game for his team. And he he, uh, he won, uh, like I think it's the, the players voted, like, player of the year, like, easily. Oh, yeah, uh, I think it was actually unanimous. Uh, well, it's the Big Ten player of the year. Yeah. Right? So, big, oh, yeah. uh, so Not of the whole like, world, oh, obviously. Not of the whole world, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, he has an argument. He has an argument. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It, I mean, he may, is he the best player that's not in the NHL? Oof, Probably uh, not. Could there's, be. there's also me, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Wait, are we, hey. are we, are we, are we, are we including the KHL in this, or are you saying the best player like not playing professional? A, well, not playing professional hockey, for sure. Okay. I mean, I would think like he's got to be. Well, I think so. I don't know who would be better than him, but uh, anyway, it, I mean, we'll see. He's probably going to win the Hobie Baker Award as well. He has to. He has to. And I mean, he's you know he he's getting pretty close to Montreal. You would think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And from from what Bergman said today, uh, he said he loves because uh, he was asked about it. He loves how he's improved his play away from the puck. And Bergman saying that is crucial. That means he, he he's willing to give him a shot because that's what he would want to see the most because he knows he can score. Yep. He's going to get a shot. He mentioned, obviously, you don't know. You don't know until he plays in the NHL, which is true. But I think he's going to get a shot. And they're definitely going to – we talked about it last week. They're going to burn that year on his contract, whatever. You go play in the AHL, worst case. But he's going to get a shot in Montreal for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 100% he's going to be signing. And, you know, as soon as his college season's over, he yeah. has absolutely nothing left to prove in the NCAA. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure he's going to get at least a shot with the Canadians, um, you know, at least a couple of games. And then, whatever, if it doesn't work out, he'll uh, he'll head down to Laval. But I wouldn't be too surprised if he's with the Canadians for the rest so of the season. is this season over if the next game he loses, basically? Unless they go all the way, obviously. Uh yeah I I believe so I mean they just if I'm not mistaken they just won the Big Ten championship so no no they they won the game to make it to the final no oh yeah no I think yeah yeah but um yeah I mean I guess yeah I I would imagine he's probably that's probably how it works I don't know a whole lot about the NCA how the <laughs> how it works but uh, probably uh, I mean so part of me kind of wants him to lose four three and get a hat trick I'm not gonna lie I mean I I, I kind of I mean I don't really believe that I think it's good for him to to, to to win somewhere else I just can't wait to see him not in a Habs jersey yeah he'll be here soon enough he'll be here that that's a good point all right so uh that does it uh for uh for this week's episode we'll probably be back next uh next Tuesday again uh, the team just doesn't seem to play on Tuesdays this year I don't know what it is uh, so uh, as always uh, thank you uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next week